Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lions Watch, the Football Rambles regular look at what's going on with the England men's football team. I'm Marcus Speller. And I'm still Luke Moore. The England squad has been announced and today we'll be picking the bones out of Gareth Southgate's World Cup selections. And Luke will also be speaking to Iranian football expert Sina Sahamion, who will give us an insight into what England should expect from Iran in the opening game of the World Cup. Well, that was the worst performance I have ever seen from an England team, ever. We were totally hopeless for 90 minutes. It's another wretched night for England at a major tournament. And did you also miss a left-footed player down the left side? Yeah, but where is that player? How are we going to win this tournament as England? And England win on penalties! A semi-final won by England at long... Luke Moore, we've got the squad. We have. We've got. We have indeed finally got the squad. We've finally got the squad. So the goalkeepers, Jordan Pickford, Darren Ramsdale and Nick Pope, of course. No surprises there. As you, as you, as you were. Yeah. As, as your man Liam Gallagher would say. <laughs> Come on, you know. Uh, defenders, Kieran Trippier, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Carl Walker, Benjamin White. 
Harry Maguire, John Stones, Eric Dyer, Connor Cody, Luke Shaw. In midfield, Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham, Calvin Phillips, Jordan Henderson, Connor Gallagher, Mason Mount, and the forwards, Harry Kane, Callum Wilson, Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling, Bukayo Saka, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, James Madison. I don't know why I was surprised Mason Mount was in there. He's just right. You give it a little bit of intonation. There we go. The King of Portsmouth getting his, uh, getting his mention. Does that mean you're the Prince of Portsmouth? Yeah, I guess so. I'm more kind of, I'm older. I feel like I'm more of a kind of advisor at the court. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, but you both left ultimately. The, the godfather of whispers. There we go. Yeah. Uh, the expat of Portsmouth, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, so look, there's the squad. Yeah. Um, not that many surprises, but one or two. What, what immediately stuck out uh, or, or, you know, or tickled your fancy? Uh, well, none of it tickled my fancy. I'm not that kind of guy. Okay. Um, but if you mean what caught my eye, I there thought it was go. interesting that we did our proposed squad in the days leading up to the um, to the announcement from mm-hmm. Gareth. And you know, for, for people who follow us on social media, they would have seen it. And the only change was, I think, we had Ivan Tony, yep. and Gareth went for Conor Gallagher instead. Yes, that well, was the only instead, one. We, but they were the that only was changes. the only one we got yeah. wrong, yeah. So I think, um, other than that, I think it's interesting to note that he's picked uh, nine defenders whereas in the last two squads for tournaments he's picked ten mm. which is interesting I suppose if you're one of these people who thinks he's a bit too defensive I know it's about more than just personnel it's about style of play but picking fewer defenders and especially given the fact that he's got notable defenders out through injury yes, and some of the defenders these days obviously your Trent Alexander-Arnold um, perhaps even Akeem, Kieran Trippier uh, are quite attacking players anyway mm. Um Perhaps it's not quite as defensive a, um, a selection as, as maybe some would have expected. And secondly, I suppose it's the gamble he's taken on Carl Walker, uh, who would also fit into that bracket, by the way, and uh, Calvin Phillips, chiefly because um, Calvin Phillips is someone who hasn't played much football, as we've talked about. He's clearly going to be the first backup to Rice and Bellingham in the middle of the park. Yeah. But I think what's worked well for Calvin Phillips is that he is there's just no one else out there like him, really. Like We don't really have an option at that level mm-hmm. with the ceiling that high who plays like Calvin Phillips does. Um, so that's kind of understandable. Carl Walker, I think, is just such a machine of an athlete. He's such and, an important player. For and him, such really. an experienced, important player that I think he's just thought... Uh, so, for example, I can understand why he's not gambled on Reese James. Mm-hmm. Reese James isn't going to be available to a bit later. He's younger. Um, probably best years are ahead of him. Um, he wants to... Um, not he, that much tournament experience. Exactly. Course. Carl Walker is just massive for England for his athleticism, his experience, his ability. He was further along the road and to recovery as well. Recovery. So they're my initial thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was fairly interesting, and we touched a bit on this yesterday, but just to reiterate or to maybe go in a little bit more detail, I thought it was pretty interesting he didn't pick Ivan Tony. I don't know why he hasn't picked him. I suspect there might be some other reasons why he hasn't. Um, but he is the, the most similar to Harry Kane, as we've said before. And I think Callum, Cal- Callum Wilson is... is you just never feel like you're that far away from an injury with him. Now, I know he can be replaced up until the day before, I believe, the first yeah. game. And we're talking today as the Premier League games haven't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So if he gets through that, I suppose it doesn't make any difference, really. But I thought it was an interesting one to leave Tony out, personally. Yeah, I Maybe it just well. came a little bit late for him, maybe. Well, I think Tony was left out, which meant that there was another position there for... Because he's clearly gone for three strikers in that Rashford doubles up. Yeah, exactly. as, a, as a striker, and obviously Wilson back up. That's Kane. obviously his thinking, right? Yeah, and and I think the the other position that uh, the, or the other player rather that that, that got in that, that people were wanting um, to be picked was James Madison, of course. And I think actually he's probably put Madison in there 
um, instead of maybe Tony, you could you could argue. I don't yeah. know, very different players and play different Well, well actually, positions. Madison is a really big talking point as well, so we should come on to that, I think. Yeah, so, the, I mean, Southgate, the 26-man squad, uh, 20 of those players played at the Euros, um, of course. Which is another interesting point, because yeah. the changeover is nowhere near as much as you think there. No, exactly. I mean, if you look, if you hear some of the names that uh, were, were, were playing at the Russia 2018, of course, now I know you're going back a number of years now, it's quite a difference, of course. So the players that weren't in the Euros side were Madison, Wilson, Gallagher, Pope, Dyer, and Alexander-Arnold although Alexander-Arnold had to pull out the injury he would have been in there yeah he would have been in there yeah exactly so on Madison uh, himself Gareth Southgate said we think he can give us something slightly different to our other attacking players which is a fair point he's always been up against some really good players in that area of the pitch and there's moments when we played 4-3-3 with no number 10 type profile but he's played exceptionally well and we like the fact that he finds those pockets of space Madison has played his way and he has forced his way into this England squad And, and Southgate's right if England play a 3-4-3, Madison in that system is probably vying for one of the positions on the flanks with Sterling, Grealish, Foden and Saka. So fierce competition, perhaps yeah. the fiercest of all the competitions yeah. uh, in, in, in the England side, other than maybe right back or right wing back. Um, but if England do want to play a 4-3-3, which they might, against perhaps the, the, in the games uh, that England are more expected to win are the favourites, the games in the group. Now, of course, we don't want to start saying, well, of course, England are already through the group because that would be ridiculous and we've seen England... Well, let, let's say that. OK, fine. England, so when they get their nine points... <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but when England are favourites for every game they play in the group. So England yeah. may play a 4-3-3 or something like that. Madison could come in. I mean, again, though, Southgate is right. England don't play with that number 10 position. What they tended to do is play Rice as a sort of a, a sort of fulcrum or whatever you want to call him, and then two either side, a bit like they set up in, in Russia 2018. That would be more of a Gareth Southgate-type England midfield. You would imagine Jude Bellingham would be one, possibly Mason Mount as the other. But I think Madison could maybe do a job there because he got a tune out of Deli Alley and Jesse Lingard doing that in Russia 2018. Two blasts from the past there. Yeah. Lingard won't thank me for that. So what do you... I mean, Madison's in there. That will satisfy a lot of the pundits who were clamouring for him to get into the squad. But, the, but, the, but a lot of those pundits would have just um, found anyone to do this is very this is a key part of the media enforced narrative ahead of a big tournament they have to do it I mean, yeah. they always do it sure Madison I think this time around was a particularly interesting case and I understand actually in this case why they were talking about it mm-hmm. Madison did what he had to do mm. he basically as you rightly said made it impossible for him to be ignored I think also the expanded squad of 23 to 26 massively favours forward players because yeah. you're like okay we've got a bit of extra room to play with let's take a chance yeah I like the idea, and I've consistently said this for years now um, with England, I like the idea that you have those players you listed there in those wide attacking positions. They're all quite different. Mm. They can offer something different. So what Southgate's got is the luxury of going, this isn't quite working. Mm. Um, we Maybe the, with the players that like to get high and wide and, and beat players down the flanks or whatever, yeah. um, they're dealing with that pretty easily. So let's get someone who's a bit tricky. Let's get a Grealish in. Let's get a Madison in. Let's try and fish, fish for a um, a set piece or something. Because Madison's free kick delivery is brilliant yeah. as well. Uh, I'm pleased for him. I think um, what something that was pointed out to me, which I thought was quite interesting, is that this talk about him not going, not playing in an England game and then going to a casino and all the rest of it. Mm. Someone pointed out actually this week, I think it was on the radio, that Madison got his only cap actually after that incident. Right. Anyway. 
Um, I haven't double checked that. <laughs> I suspect the good the good people on Five Live yeah. know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's probably the case. So perhaps, and as, as Southgate even said, that was seemed to be a much bigger issue for. James Madison, who thought he'd let himself down, and for the media than it was for me, mm-hmm. we made our decision a few weeks ago, yeah. and we had gone past that already. Yeah. So, I like I like that he's taken the chance, Madison, because also philosophically in tournament football, I am maybe it's my age, maybe it's my generation, I am seduced by um, the idea of an unknown quantity, bit of a wild card. Yeah, because it used to be a big deal back in no, the day. Right. It's harder to be like that now for obvious reasons, but it does still exist to a certain. Well, we thought it might be Tony, but he's. But Madison's the one there. Yeah, also, and going back to the group stage and the teams we have to play, I think you also want to think about giving the other team problems. Mm. So you sometimes want to get into the mindset where you go, let's take USA, for example. They're confident, um, you know. Very confident, Alex- calling to Alexis. Alexis's <laughs> confidence came across well. We, we shared some of that on Instagram, to which someone said, uh, someone replied on the Instagram video of Alexis actually saying, the USA won't pass the group stage, and I hope they don't too. They're an embarrassment to the sport. <laughs> No clarification on that. Where's that person from? Yeah, it doesn't say. Has to be from Iran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved his point when he said, uh, well, I mean, it's Iran and US is not a big game. The governments don't like each other, but that's about it. I was like, mm, tell that to a radio <laughs> players when they're well, riding up. That's why it's a really interesting group. There's, <laughs> a, lot, there's a lot of jeopardy. But if you're in the US and yeah. you're sitting down and you think to yourself, okay, do I want them to pick Madison mm-hmm. or an extra defender? Well, you want them to pick an extra defender yeah. all day long mm-hmm. because you don't want... A defender's unlikely to affect the game in that type of way. Now, it might mm-hmm. frustrate you. They might make it difficult for you to score or whatever. But you're probably a lot more scared of a Grealish, a Madison. Mm. Well, tactical changes are always in the forward line exactly. normally. Exactly. Uh, but what about the midfield then? I think perhaps the one that maybe surprised people other than Madison, although people wanted him in there, was Conor Gallagher. Yeah. And Conor Gallagher's in there, which I'm quite pleased at because I thought in the central um, positions in midfield, we, England are a bit light. If it is an injury to Rice or, or Bellingham... Or, or Henderson, you know, that, and that's why obviously Calvin Phillips is in there. Uh, I know that uh, our listener Dom on, on, on Twitter asked, why Conor Gallagher? He can't play in a defensive two and won't play in a front three. Well, no, but he, he has a little bit of experience with, say, playing in the middle of a four um, and also can be in the more engine room of the midfield. So if England are up and they are under the cosh, perhaps, or they're defending a lead and you need someone to just be all action and winning the ball and, and, and that kind of thing, driving them forward maybe, then maybe Gallagher's your man. I think it would be uh, if it was a midfield three. But again, you look around and you think, well, who could, who is a proper central midfielder for England, uh, is English and is playing at a very high level? And I think James Ward-Prowse will be gutted to miss out. And I do feel sorry for him because he thinks, for crying out loud, I, you know, I captain a side in the Premier League. I put in performances. Calvin Phillips comes along and plays 45 minutes. He's got slightly more experience than 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 um, Conor Gallagher, uh, you know, for England. But is he playing at that high level? I mean, Calvin Phillips played in the Euros final for England. Conor Gallagher is now playing a bit of Champions League football. He's now at Chelsea, where he is up against fierce competitions. And actually, I thought Ruben Loftus-Cheek might get a shout just because of those central midfield positions. England are a bit short, and he's used to playing those kind of. Well, things. I, th- I think there's a lot to unpack there. I think if I take it in order, mm-hmm. I think that. We've we've done Phillips, and he's a different player to sure. Gallagher in War Prowse, and I think Phillips justifies his selection by what he's done with England before, the quality he's got, and the fact that he's now just returning to fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have a problem with Phillips being selected for what I said earlier. On the Gallagher versus Ward Prowse thing, Ward Prowse, the last time I saw him play, would have been and Southampton are having a poor season. Mm-hmm. You know, forget all my bias and all the rest of it. You know, if you listen to this, put that to one side objectively Southampton are having a poor season they've just fired their manager they wouldn't have done that if they're not having a poor season 
I saw Ward Prowse playing a two in front of the back four at home to Newcastle mm. and he got run ragged. Yeah. And it's not his fault. It's not totally his fault. He can't do it himself. He's a good player. Everyone knows that. England don't play a two in front of a four mm. um, unless they do it in a three, four, three, which we've seen them do, but it's a slightly different thing to a four, back yeah. four playing front, two in front of back four. Uh, and I totally understand that he's got a, an Ainsley Maitland-Niles next to him in that game who looks a bit shot at the moment. The Gallagher thing, I think, is interesting because the way I justify it is the way that you almost justified it at the start of this, but then mm. didn't just then. I wanted to leave room for you. Well, thank you very much, mm. which is that maybe it points towards the fact that Southgate and Honda are occasionally going to play a 4-3-3. Well, if Southgate said about Gallagher, he's fantastic at pressing the ball. I think we'll, we'll, there will be moments where we need certain attributes. We were really pleased with how he responded when he went uh, with the under-21s last time. And it shows you a little bit of joined up thinking. Now, that does lead me on to sort of the next point, really, um, which is people getting annoyed about Southgate sometimes citing form, sometimes citing loyalty, et cetera, et cetera. He will... <laughs> it's not all the same for everybody. If Harry Kane had not scored a goal since March, he'd still be going. Yeah. Um, and people say, oh, but that's Harry Kane. Yeah, but that's still my point, though. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, ooh, who is he going to pick, Wilson or Tammy Abraham or something, he says about Tammy Abraham, he's, he's, he's got a bit of a poor run of scoring at the moment. And that's a, that's a shame for Abraham, of course, because if it was in the summer, off the back of last season, Abraham would have probably gone. Yeah. But that's the way it's gone. That's the way the calendar is. So this is, this is the situation. The situation is that... Um, the World Cup's at a difficult time. Hmm. It's a far more important time to be picking players who come into the right form because they are going to go straight from playing in their their, their clubs. Literally, they're going to play this weekend. Yeah. They're going to fly out mm -hmm. and they're going to play a game straight away for England. Yeah. That never happens. No. It's never happened before no, in, in tournament not. football. No. It's a completely new thing. Of course, it happens for players who perhaps play in um, for, for an African nation mm -hmm. or in, in, mm -hmm. for different parts around the world. But in terms of European-focused teams and players, it doesn't happen. If Sammy Abraham had scored more than two goals in his last 10 games or whatever it is... Oh, yeah, I mean, he might have scored a third, but yes, it's still, it's he's, still he's low not, numbers. He's, it would have been a, perhaps a different story. Well, Wilson's think, hit form at the right time. Exactly. I think Southgate loves um, Tammy Abraham, and I think he's shown yeah. loyalty to him in the past. Mm. It's sliding doors. Wilson could easily still be injured. Yeah. He's injured a lot. Yeah. It's just not. It's timing. Yeah. And I would say the same about... Um, about about um, Tammy Abraham. He's, 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 yeah. And Wilson has gone to a sort of tournament, if you will, with the Nations League. I know I've mentioned that and so on, but he's still travelling. We're not, not going to count that. Well, I, well he's still, he's got travelling experience. <laughs> he knows what it's like. I think they've all got that. He knows what it's like to sit on a plane and wear the tracksuit. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you don't <laughs> yeah. think that's if you don't think that's important, then I just would would question your motives as a football fan. And if you're listening, Gareth, Marcus and I are very capable of doing that. Just send us a tracksuit, yeah. Gareth, or something. Yeah. Marcus normally travels economy. He'd be happy to do it. You'd be happy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an economy man through and through. Exactly. Apart from when it comes to the supermarket. What, <laughs> what a treat it would be to sit on a private plane in a tracksuit. <laughs> private eh? plane. There you go. Yeah. Um, what but, else? What else have some of well, our listeners so, thought about it? Some of the listeners. A lot of people have been talking about Fakaya Tamori. Okay, yeah. As Joe has said, what has Tamori done to hurt Gareth Southgate? Because there's no footballing reason on earth that he shouldn't be on that squad. And, and you know, it's an interesting one because, look, when we did our starting 11s, I'm sorry to remind us of this, uh, you know, a number of weeks, maybe yeah, even months I, I ago. I got away with that because mine wasn't quite as bad as yours. Yeah, I think me putting you Jordan Henderson. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, no, no worries. You put Jordan Henderson up front on his own. I did. <laughs> Uh, well, Kane wasn't scoring at the yeah. time. Um, we put Tamori as a in starter. Goal. In goal. <laughs> Yeah, stop trying to clear it. But it's about but I form. Think, it's yeah. about form. Well, we think I think we put him in there just because at the time it was a bit like flipping it. Just let's roll the dice. But when the tournament comes around, 
you know, then you have to start thinking, well, Southgate said, I know people talk about being overly loyal, but you need to have some sort of consistency because you can't build without that. And so people are saying, how come Eric Dyer's in there? How come Harry Maguire's in there and not Tamori? The fact of the matter is, Eric Dyer, uh, let's take Maguire, and I've said this before, very poor form at the moment, we know that. His form wasn't great going into the Euros, and he was, when England played without him in the first game or two, everyone was like, actually, we miss him. Now, again, his form wasn't as bad as it's been, and that was a year and a half ago now, so I appreciate that. Mm. But he was still in the team of the Euros. There is something about Maguire when he plays for England that he kind of raises it a bit. Now, the worrying thing is in the Nations League campaign, which was dreadful all round, really, other than the last 20 minutes of the last game against Germany, other than the Nick Pope mistake. Mm. Caveat, caveat, caveat. Um, it's, it was not good. So I understand people's um, uh, 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 concern about Maguire being in there. But the fact is, under Southgate, he's played largely very, very well. One of the few players has got his own chant. I don't know whether they'll be singing that. <laughs> but, he, but he has played well and he's been a stalwart of this side. It is unlikely that Southgate was suddenly going to drop him because he's also one of his lieutenants as well. Uh, Gareth, um, just a quick question from uh, Luke Moore here from Lions Watch. Um, you've picked Harry Maguire again and uh, people are asking the question as to why he's been included in this election. Play the chant. <laughs> Do you want to hear this song on the terraces of Qatar chart. or not? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, can I answer? Can I answer? Can I also help to throw a little bit more grist to the mill about Harry Maguire? Grist it up, baby. What's interesting is he played the full game against West Ham in the league mm-hmm. at the end of October, yeah. and May United won one nil. They sheet. kept a keen sheet. He actually played quite well. He did, yeah. And then you follow that up with the fact that he played in a mad, mad game against Aston Villa in the League Cup midweek. They won 4-2. He picked up a... I can't remember if it's a silly book or not, but he definitely picked up a book in and he didn't look that much in control. And I think you get much more for England of the former, as in the West Ham performance from mm-hmm. Maguire, than you do the latter mm-hmm. in terms of the Aston Villa chaotic nature. Yeah. Uh, and I'd also say, you know, as much as we don't like to mention this that much on this show for obvious reasons, international football isn't as high a standard as playing at the top end of the Premier League or playing, I know Man United aren't in the Champions League at the moment, but playing in the Champions League, it's just not. And what it comes down to, it comes down far less to you know, really intrinsic tactics, um, spending a lot of time together, because you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. So if you've got someone in there who's really popular in the squad, who knows what it's like to play yeah. at that level... And has who, played well at tournaments. ...who's been in teams of the tournament before... Mm-hmm. Uh, and has, you know, getting on for 50 caps for England already, has contributed goals as well, mm-hmm. by the way, for mm-hmm. a defender. I think he's got seven goals for England. I'm not saying I think he's that good because I actually don't. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say, if you if you roll a tape from years ago when everyone was talking about how great he was with the ball at his feet, I never was that convinced by that, mm-hmm. even then. But he has done the business for England. So although I wouldn't be massively enthusiastic about, I'm not sitting there fucking swinging my scarf around my head sure. at Harry Maguire's on the team sheet. Yeah. I do get it though. I I do get why Southgate wants him because he wants to be able to rely on people. Yeah. I, I understand that, particularly when who are the other really experienced defenders around? Well, John John Stones would be one. Um, Carl Walker's not going to necessarily be able to play a massive part. You know, yeah. th- these things matter. They come into their own. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I think so. I do. I do. I do kind of get it. Well, you look at the squad and you think, hang on a minute, we we are quite light at the back in those in those central defensive positions, and that's the thing. England out wide, a lot of options up top, as we've talked about. A lot of options. At, well, even well, that's the funny thing with Reese James being injured. I, I, I'm, I'm gutted for Reese James, and I think it's a great shame. And I'd obviously rather him there. I don't particularly worry because Kieran Trippy is there. 
Mm. I mean, what a player. Mm. You know, now Trippier will double up as a cover for the, the left back or the left wing back, Luke Shaw. Um, and Shaw is another one who seems to raise it for England, no matter what's going on at club level. But even then, if, if not Trippier playing right wing back, Trent Alexander-Arnold comes in. Or even like Ben White can do a bit of a job at right, right back or whatever, you know. So, so you've got options there. But when it comes to those central defensive positions, it's England are light. And that's Eric Dyer's in there because he plays as a sweeper in a back three and he may well be called upon to do that. Will he start? I don't know. John Stones has done that role with Maguire one side and, and, and Carl Walker the other. If there's an injury or Carl Walker doesn't uh, recover, John Stones will have to do a job mm. elsewhere. And then you need die. I mean, Cody could even come in. And this, people say, oh, but, but these players are, who else are you taking? Yeah. To, 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 to kind of approach this. Tamori is the other one. And people seem to well, be annoyed that he's Joe, not. Joe on Twitter has asked about Tamori. Mike on Twitter has talked about Dan Byrne. Look, Tamori is, was flavoured a month, about a month ago. Yeah. He had a bit of an audition. Whatever you think about that, rightly or wrongly, maybe it shouldn't work like this, but it did. He had an audition for AC Milan against mm-hmm. Chelsea a couple of times. Didn't go brilliantly for him. Mm-hmm. And his form's not been brilliant. You know, I, I, I actually saw a bit of him. They played Cremonese. They, they drew nil-nil AC Milan and he actually played pretty well. Um, that People who know more about Italian football than me were saying, that great, this looks like a bit mm-hmm. of a return to form for him. But he's a much less experienced player than Harry Maguire. You know, he's, he's 24. He's mm-hmm. played about a hundred top flight games. Mm. Harry Maguire's played lo- yeah. a lot more than that yeah. uh, and experience is important at this level uh, and I think younger players can by their nature be a little bit more inconsistent. Um, I know Maguire has shown a bit of inconsistency himself so maybe that's less relevant. Um, so I think Tamori's probably hit some poor form or some, you know, inconsistent form at the wrong time. And then Dan Byrne, you know, Dan Byrne's an interesting situation because he's matured as a player at the age of about 29, 30 mm. And he's gone to a you know a, a club going places for lots of different reasons, and he's he's been in the, in the spotlight a bit, and he's played well. But he's thirty; he's mm. not played for England before. Mm. It's it's on the eve of a big tournament. Realistically, no matter what you think about Dan Byrne, he's not realistic. No, no one's sitting around going, "I can't fucking believe yeah, he's yeah, left yeah. Dan Byrne out." He's a good player. Mm. There are other players that Southgate prefers. I don't think that's an issue. No, I don't. And I think you might even see actually, yeah. it, depending on how it goes this Christmas. You may well see Dan Byrne be a part of the next cycle. Quite possibly. People may think he's got his numbers are good, he's mm-hmm. got a lot of miles left in the tank, he can still do it. He may come in later, but it's not been great timing for him. No, and I think th- those on the fringes, form is important. Those who are more uh, stalwarts of the squad, f- form is not as important, really. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 that's quite obvious. But look, as I said on, on the Ramble yesterday, there is no player that everyone's thinking, oh, if we had, if Southgate had picked that person, then we're going to go deeper than what we've already no, got. No, exactly. There's no great surprises because there never is, really. With, yeah. with There's never... I remember squads gone by. Like, well, Jermaine Defoe should be the number four choice striker instead of Theo Walcott. Yeah, I agree with that. But that's not the reason why England went out in the quarterfinal. How many how many defenders? So if, you, if you assume... Mm. Say, say, I know they don't always, but if England play a back four, yeah. if everything goes brilliantly yeah. in the World Cup... How many defenders are they going to use in total? Yeah, I mean... They're going to use four. Yeah, exactly. They're going to use four. Yeah, six at most for maybe, you know, refresh or whatever, et cetera. Well, you have have a great time of it where you win the first two games easily, you're 3-0 up in the third game and you maybe bring in a couple of to, to, to yeah. warm up a but bit. But this is like seriously ideal kind of yeah. stuff which I don't I think don't will... suspect that yeah, No, I don't think that will happen. Yeah. All right, everybody, let's have a quick break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Lions Watch, everybody. Right, as promised, earlier Luke spoke to Sina Sahamion to get some insight into Iran ahead of England's opening game against them at the World Cup. Sina, thank you very much for joining uh, me today. It's great to talk to you. Um, I think the first place I'd like to start is really what can England expect from this Iranian team in uh, the Three Lions' first game in the World Cup? Well, firstly, thank you for having me on, Luke. Um, as I'm sure everyone is excited for that first game and, and Iranian fans are, are no different. Um, with regards to the Iranian national team, if anyone remembers the 2018 World Cup and, and, and the way Iran lined up against Spain, Portugal and Morocco, it was very frustrating probably to watch as a neutral or if you were Spanish or, or Portuguese. And I think if you're an English fan, you'll probably speak the same. Um, it'll be Iran defending first and foremost, um, trying to keep a clean sheet and really looking for the opposition to make a mistake for them to take advantage of. Now, Iran has had Carlos Queiroz, who was our manager in uh, 2014 and 2018 World Cup, who left in 2019, but has come back now two months before the tournament. Mm. And um, I think expectations have risen somewhat with, with his return and, and people are a lot more optimistic than, than they were previously. But England fans can expect a frustrating game. And the later it goes for England to score, I think the least like uh, the, the unlikely it gets that, um, that you'll, you'll get a winner or a, or a goal. Right, OK, because I remember they're getting a pretty creditable draw against Portugal, scoring quite late on and um, were able to frustrate Spain to just a 1-0, weren't they? So that's interesting because a lot of the talk coming into this has been, look, you know, Iran are a very defensively minded team. Um, have they? Has, has the squad that the, the coaches selected played into that? Was it largely speaking the squad you'd expected them to, to pick? Yes, so majority of the starting eleven that you will see um, against England would have worked with Kairos at the last World Cup. So he knows right. the players really well. The backbone is still the same. The main kind of the, the main players you'll need to look out for are 
Mehdi Atarimi, who plays for Porto, he's one of the top goal scorers in the Champions League, yeah. and Sadar Osman, who plays for Bayer Leverkusen. And those two have been with with Kairos specifically since a young age, and, and they kind of he uh, introduced him into the national team and has worked with him for so long. So they know what their roles are, and he knows how to make the most out of them. Will he, will he pick both of them? That's the hope. Osmond has had an injury recently. Um, yeah. He will be match fit. He is expected to be selected. It would be a massive surprise if he's not. Um, but I, I would certainly expect Osmond to lead the line. And looking at historic games, Toremi will probably play off the left. So when, when we are defending, he'll be a, more of a left winger. And when, when we are attacking, he'll he'll play on, alongside um, Osmond. Yeah, okay. So it's quite interesting because we, we talk about how defensive-minded that Iran are. But yeah, we, most of the players we're talking about here, the, the kind of eye-catching players, are really forward-thinking kind of attacking players, right? That's right. And and I guess if you, if you followed Iran for a while, it, it would make sense because um, we don't tend to produce defenders that end up playing at a high level. Uh, which means automatically that defence will always be exposed. And historically, that's how it, it was before Kairosh arrived. We were always good going forward, scoring goals, but defensively, we we always looked like conceding. And that was certainly the case in 2006 World Cup, for example. And Kairosh coming in, I think that defensive structure that he brings in protects the defenders. And as you said, we do have the quality up front that, that are able to cause issues and, and nick a goal when, when necessary. Yeah, okay. And and I, I was thinking about this when I was preparing for this interview. I was thinking about how what the demands are on England and all the chat about it and how they've got so many household names and the expectations are high. And I, I feel like I know, and I think our listeners will know, what a, a kind of successful tournament looks like for England. But I'd be really interested to know, as a kind of passionate Iranian fan, what what looks like success for Iran? Because, I mean... Is it just? I don't. I don't mean this in a patronising way whatsoever. But is it like getting a you know, a goal against um, England or beating the US because there's a rivalry there? What, what 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 does it look like? How do you how do you see the tournament taking shape for Iran and what does success really look like for them? For me, when I look at this tournament, it feels like an end of a cycle. So the cycle being these are the, these are a group of players that have been together for a for a fair few years now. They were in the 2018 World Cup, and that group, in comparison to this group, was. Uh, extremely difficult as like we said you know Portugal and Spain as well as the Moroccan uh, the African champions at the time in, in yeah. Morocco yeah. and we were a kick away a, a literal kick away in the last second to, to get through that group because we yeah. drew against Portugal beat Morocco so now the expectations are okay we've qualified for, for, for the third World Cup in a row um, I think it's the sixth time or seventh time altogether um, and now looking at the group as well not to disrespect England, Wales or USA, but comparing it to the, to the last group, now is the time that if we want to get to the second round, this is it. And I think the difficulty is playing England in the first game because a defeat against England will mean that you go into the second game knowing you need to get a result to stay in. Yeah. Um, and that's probably, that's the only thing I would change in terms of the order of the games. But the expectations are, yeah, you know, we, we are confident. We, we know that we are the underdogs. We appreciate that that, that we, we may not have the quality of, of, of England or, or potentially Wales, um, but we're confident that we, we can get a result um, and potentially look look to make it to the second round. That's the aim, and I have no doubt uh, that Carlos Queiroz will, will be aiming for that as well. 
Right, that's interesting because I suppose is there an element here then because of Wales have got so many kind of recognisable players, the USA are such a big nation, and England are England. Are you sitting there in your position thinking we're being ignored here? This is this will suit us nicely because if people overlook us, they might be in for a bit of a surprise. That's what everyone is hoping for. I have no doubt that that Carlos Carlos will be banking on that. That uh, you know people underestimate them, and um, I think. And again, this this is no disrespect to to USA. I'm not saying that Iran have a have a much better team, but I think in terms of quality and and as a collective, um, I think the Iranian team is 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 on par, if if not better, better really? than okay. the USA. And yeah. one thing that I will confidently say in terms of this group is that I believe we have the best manager in the group. Huh. When you look at the benches. Gareth Southgate has come under criticism unfairly I think when you look at the previous tournaments but yeah. you look at Wales and, and USA USA I think had a little bit of a disappointing campaign as well but I, I believe that Carlos Kerridge when, when, when you compare the managers when you look at his CV and his resume um, he, he he has the quality that you don't you wouldn't see on, on, on the benches of the that's uh, a really good point actually it's a really good point and do do Iran see the US as a derby game because of the history and because of the politics at play or does that not come into it I think the the political landscape has somewhat changed the '98 uh, from yeah. from uh, from from people's perspective, not not so much the government. Yeah. So maybe the rivalry wouldn't be at least for the same reasons it was back in '98. Yeah. Uh, but certainly there there will be that feeling of you know we we want to get one over US again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. And just finally, I have to ask, the, the unrest that we've sadly seen in the country more recently, um, is that something that you feel would have affected the preparation or does that not come into it either? Look, you know, we we hear FIFA more than anyone talk about keeping sports and politics separate and football yeah. in particular. I certainly feel like that's that's not possible. It's inevitable yeah. that, that, that politics or wider social issues come into football. Yeah. And it would be also... Um, I think a little bit ignorant to assume that the players would be able to just shut it out of their mind and and, and completely focus on the football. No, it, yeah. I think it, it will play on the in the back of their mind. And look, as you would have seen on the news, there's a lot going on in the country. And and for me, and and obviously I'm I'm sitting here in Manchester, in the safety of of my home, and 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 yeah. looking at it from from a privileged kind of perspective. But people sitting in Iran probably have the World Cup being completely kind of the least of their problems at the moment yeah. and I think the expectation is as well that they, that they want the players to acknowledge that to acknowledge that that, that fight that that movement yeah. and um, I'm also hoping that the players do that in the World Cup but do not doubt that when the tournament kicks off and especially in that first game against England there'll be a lot of protests outside the stadium in the stadium during the game so I'm sure I'm sure you'll you'll hear from it and, and we actually had the pleasure of interviewing Gareth Southgate um, on yeah. our podcast uh, if, uh, a, a month back and I asked him about this because he would have seen the protests happening and he's been one that's always certainly in in, in kind of in respect to issues in, in, in England and in the UK as a whole in terms of his support for the players in the um, anti-racism movement and, and mm. so on and I think we we need to engar- encourage footballers to be a little bit more maybe not not always outspoken. I mean, if they want to be, they should. Socially but, but responsible. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. They've shown that. They've shown that. Um, actually, when they do do that thoughtfully, because so many people look up to them, and because they've got such power, it can actually be a really force, like force, positive force for good. You know, and I think I completely agree. Um, look, I wish everyone all the best, of course. And um, I, I, what I, what I pick up from you, just going back to the football scene, is that like. 
and maybe this is my arrogance and my kind of ignorance, and I'm sure it is, you're a little bit more confident than perhaps I was expecting. And I don't know. Now I've started, what's happened here? Every time I've spoken to someone from these nations in this group, I've started to get less and less confident as the tournament's got closer. And Iran is no exception. I can just see Iran going ahead against England and they're all going a little bit wrong. Listen, I mean, it's the beauty of football, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we, without, without the hope... What what are we what are we watching the games for? Yeah. And we, you know we, we tell each other we tell ourselves stories of of well if X and X Y and Z happens you know we could get through or we could get a result, and and yeah I, I have that confidence. If you would have asked me this six months ago, I probably would have been a little bit different with with the old manager, but with Kairos coming back, is is giving us more of a chance with with his focus on preparation and knowing how how much detailed he gets in in kind of analysing the opponents and making sure his teams are set up um, to face them. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not surprised that that maybe you weren't expecting so much confidence. But I think it's also the excitement of the tournament as well. And and hopefully, if we can get a result against England, then um, we we are set up in a good place going for the second and third game. Senior, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much for spending some time with us today. Um, My before pleasure, you Luke. before you go, um, for people who enjoyed listening to you today and want to hear more about some of your other work, where can people find you? Um, so we, we run a football podcast uh, focusing on, on Iranian football called Golbezan. That's G-O-L-B-E-Z-A-N. Um, we tend to interview players and managers. Like I said, we, we had the pleasure of speaking to Gareth Southgate and we've done an interview with, with Carlos Queiroz, which I don't think has been released yet. So, yeah, um, it's a bit of a niche market, as I'm sure you can imagine. But, yeah, um, yeah um, that's that's where the majority of the uh, of the conversations happen. Great. Listen, I think people will be absolutely um, delighted to listen to it more. So Golbazan is worth checking out uh, if you want to hear more from Cena. We wish Iran all the best at the World Cup and we, we, we hope you do pretty well, just not just not in that opening game, I would say. But thanks <laughs> I very wish, much, Cena. I wish you the same, Luke. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Mate. Take care. Cheers. Yeah, well, I certainly know a lot more about um, yeah. Iran now, as I'm sure we all do, and I did go into that. And I, I, I think it was important for us to speak to Ewan about Wales and to speak to Alexis about the US, but I think we know a little bit more about them than we did Iran. Mm-hmm. So Cena did a great job of telling, telling us um, all about what to expect in the opening it's games. Just away. I know, it's exciting. My goodness, Very my exciting. goodness. All right, everybody, it's now time for the Take Thermometer. Oh, the highlight of everyone's week. <laughs> Every week on Lions Watch, we sense check the latest big opinions on the Take Thermometer. Fairly self-explanatory. Uh, this one is something a pundit, a player, a coach, um, or, or, or even an opinion a fan has said regarding the England men's team, a hot take or a load of old bollocks. Yeah. So you've got <laughs> a lot of bollocks, haven't we? A lot of bollocks. Yeah. Uh, we've got to remind everybody. And some takes. <laughs> <laughs> the five hottest chilies in the world. Number one, the Carolina Reaper. Number two, Trinidad Maruga Scorpion. <laughs> Number three, the Seven Pot Doogler. Your favourite, that one. Oh, the seven you love pot... a Doogler. I do love a Doogler. Sitting on the fence, really, the Dougal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but you burn your bot-bot if you sit on that one. Uh, seven <laughs> Pot Primo and the Trinidad Scorpion Butch Tea. I mean, the thing is, they're all really hot. Oh, no, they? I fucked it up. Yeah, but we're, but we're doubling down. And the, But the thing is, I've got such an I've got such a kind of combative personality <laughs> that if people get upset about it, I want to do more of it. That's right. And that's why we're sticking with it. That's why we're sticking right, with it. Right, what's take number one? Gareth Southgate says it would have been arrogant to pick Rhys James because he would not be fit for the World Cup group stage. He said that's on the assumption we're going to go far and oh, we'll bring him out for the semi-final. Yeah. I think... I think well, I think... I, I mean, he, felt, he, he did say that, you know, we had to make a difficult call and the rest of it and mm-hmm. he wasn't going to be available to the latter end. I, I understand what he means. I think that he probably piped up with this because he wanted to give... For some reason these days, because there's such a voracious appetite for coverage and for content and for takes and all the rest of it, mm. it feels a bit like he had to give a reason mm-hmm. and whereas he could have just said, look, he's not going to be ready. Yeah. He's not going to be ready. 
Well, I think, and, yeah, even and, so. And, and, and he did go on to say, if all things go well, mm-hmm. he'll be ready after the group stage. But we don't know if things are going to go well because you can never tell. Yeah. So there's no, we couldn't really do it. Um, so I, I suppose it's it's kind of an unnecessary take for me because I just don't think he needed to say it. He could have just said, he's not ready, guys, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I doubt Reese James would have gone, well, I am going to be ready, actually. Yeah. It wouldn't have happened. True. And as we said earlier, Carl Walker or something like that was a little bit further along. And Calvin Phillips is, you know, he's basically fully fit now. He's, he's just back. not match fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was a kind of interesting take from Gareth. Um, but then having said that, he's under so much scrutiny from everyone all the time doing this job, particularly around this time of the cycle that I, I totally understand that he maybe wants to freshen it up a bit and come up with some different excuses. Well, I mean, if it, if he did put Rhys James in, he would say, yeah, but he's ready for the latter stages. Is that arrogant? I don't think it is arrogant. I, actually, so baby, okay, so basically, let me, let me break it down like this. It's a poor take from Gareth. It's a seven-pot primo at best because, because you've got a 26-man squad for a reason mm-hmm. and up until... Mm-hmm. a week or so where you might even have a little bit more info you can replace him anyway okay. so maybe it would have been less than arrogant trying to add scorpion butch tea here we going no that's the lowest one yeah it's you, not that bad you don't think it's that seven bad. pot primo second worst okay okay yeah. fair enough here's your second take the headline Rio Ferdinand thinks Harry Maguire and the lack of ability to replace him will be England's Achilles heel okay that's a more interesting one yep and I'll tell you why because I think that what we could talk about of Maguire is we could talk about the idea that what Southgate's actually done, what Gareth's done, mm-hmm. is he's essentially made a decision and he's stuck with it. Yeah. Because what he could have done is he could have said, right, Harry Maguire's form's been so bad, he's not in Man United's best team, he's playing in the Europa League, he's playing the, the League Cup, whatever. Yeah. Although, although he did actually play recently for, uh, for, for Man United in the Premier League. Generally speaking, they go with um, mm-hmm. two other defenders. He could Southgate could have gone He's gone. Mm-hmm. We have to bring someone in and we have to get them up to speed and we have to stick with them and we have to rely on their form being good. We have to be rely on them to handle it and move through. Eventually, because of course players don't play forever, mm. you have to do that at some point anyway. Yeah. What Southgate's tried to do is keep him and therefore there's not really been the room for someone to come along and be able to to replace him and slot in there necessarily. But will it be England's Achilles heel with Maguire and the lack of ability to replace him? Because as, as, as Ferdinand himself said, when you're looking at it, you're thinking, what are we going to do? Is um, Trevor Shalabar going to be ready? Not after that tackle he made the other day. No. Uh, but <laughs> Well, he says, but last month it was Fikaya Tomori. Before that, it was Mark Gay. There's yeah. no one in there that you go, yeah, they jump out as number one candidate. So it's very difficult. And that in the end could be England's Achilles heel. Basically saying, at the back, we're not good enough. That in which case it's a good take. Yeah, I think it can look very top heavy. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to say a take, crystallize it down to its basic components, it's correct. It's a good take. You're going Reaper. I'm going hot hot take because because it's a it's it's unquestionably the case. Mm. And I think you you it's very difficult for you to bring players in when you want to maintain some kind of consistency because people are playing so much football these days. And I think he's right about Chalabar, about Gay, about Tamori. They're not staking a claim, but of course they're not really given the chance to stake a claim. Because what are what kind of games are England playing? They're playing competitive games in the Nations League. Mm. They're on record as saying they didn't want to be relegated from the Nations League, and we understand why that is. There's not really that much opportunity because of the way the condensed, truncated calendar is. Um, they've had no games. I mean, the last game they played was against Germany. We always knew it was going to be the last game. There's no opportunity. Mm. So he has to do it, really. But I do think England's... If England don't win the World Cup, which I don't think they will, it will almost certainly be because they're not defensively good enough. And that is the case for all the teams that fall short in the World Cup generally because it's normally won by a team who's really solid. That's right. As France proved in, in Russia 2018. It's a hot take. It's a very hot take. Well, we'll end with that hot take 
from Rio Ferdinand, everybody. Um, thank you very much for listening. Of course, we'll be back with Lions Watch next Saturday for the final time before the start of the World Cup. Uh, but Marcus before... is just going to do a Michael Sheen, but just for the England team, and that's going to be the episode. What's the Michael Sheen? The big speech he did for the Welsh team. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you meant Martin Sheen, and you go West Wing there. I was like, oh, I can <laughs> we get Martin Sheen if you want. We can do all the Sheens. I'm not sure even though the World Cup's happening. We'll get Mr Sheen. That, now he, you're talking. But he won't be watching in England, of course, at the World Cup, will he? Because um, do you know what nationality is? What, Mr Sheen? Polish. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it doesn't deserve anything, that. There are listeners applauding around the nation after hearing that. But yes, we will be back uh, with Lions Watch next Saturday for the final time before the start of the World Cup. Uh, But before that, we will be seeing you for the usual uh, football ramble on Monday morning, rounding up the best action from the weekend. Are you clapping for the NHS? No, it's the pun that a guy did in the podcast, doesn't it? It doesn't even work. Only works written down. You know where I heard that? What? Talking of Welsh people, Goldie looking chain. One of them said it at a festival, I saw. You're making it worse. (laughs) Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.